0: Welcome to Donna's Intermittent Fasting Journal Broadcast number 29. Uh, I'm excited to bring you information today about measuring, whether you are measuring inches or pounds or pounds and inches or body fat percentage or clothing sizes. All of these metrics come together to give us a picture a picture of where we are at in our weight loss and fat loss journey. And so I'm going to be talking today about all the different metrics that you, not all the different, but several different metrics that you might be using, the benefits of one over another, and also how you can use these in combination to get a clear picture of what's happening to your body during intermittent fasting. Um, I uh, want to say that those of you who are on live in Donna's Intermittent Fasting Facebook group, Um, you have a little bit of a messy outline and I'm sorry about that. That's just how we don't have the, um, Facebook does not have when you copy and paste from a word document, it doesn't have the capability of making an outline look really nice. Like I like to, as a writer and a speaker. However, um, I want to encourage you to subscribe to Donna and, uh, Even if you're watching this on YouTube, you might want to subscribe to DonnaReach.com because that is the place where I have everything very organized. Not as organized as the course because the course takes it all and puts it incrementally, which is something that you can't do when you're just blogging here and there, but it is organized. So if you hop on to donareach.com, subscribe, you'll get the free startup charts for intermittent fasting there at DonnaReach.com, no cost, four different uh, startup charts for you. Um, And you will also uh, be subscribed so you will get the blog posts that came, the video, the um, audio, YouTube link, uh, iTunes link, and the neat organized outlines that I'm all about. So, anyway, hop on over there and subscribe. You can also subscribe at YouTube, and my tech girl eventually puts this up at YouTube as well. You can also subscribe at iTunes, so you can just listen rather than hear. This week, I don't have any boards for you, so you can really just listen pretty well and follow. However, you know how much I love my outlines and how much detail I give in my outlines for my listeners, so you might like the outline for that purpose. So anyway, metrics that work for you with intermittent fasting. Metric simply means measure, right? You know, I'm a language lady in other places online, and so I'm all about teaching word Um, basis metric is measure and so when we say I don't know the metric system right you hear people in US in the US say I don't know the metric system we get in the weight loss groups and they talk about how many kilograms they've lost and so forth and we're just like say that in English well we're not really telling them to say it in English we're telling them don't use metrics use uh, our American system right but metric itself means measure and we can have various metrics to chart Our weight loss journeys and it's important especially for women to not just camp on one particular metric and you're gonna see why as I go through this today Um, there are four primary methods that I'm going to be talking about today one is scales which is our most common and that's what the first thing we always ask is how much weight have you lost how much weight have you lost okay and the scales measure all body uh, losses all body weight losses it's measuring Um, uh, mass, but it's measuring every part of your body, uh, mass loss. So it's measuring whether you lose fat, whether you lose water, whether you lose muscle, um, it is, or you cut your hair and you lose hair, or you um, took a, got your appendix out and you lost an appendix. It is measuring simple weight, pounds, pounds, and that can be anything. Anything that is in your body is measured through a scale. It is a purely mass measurement. In other words, it's not differentiating among the various parts of your body, whether you have water weight, whether you have pounds weight, whether you have um, organs, <laughs> Wait, whether you have stools in your intestine, um, food and drink in your intestines, uh, your bladder is full of, of liquid. It's not measuring any of that. It's simply a mass measurement. Tape measure is the next one, and uh, it measures inch loss. So we often go by this in uh, trying to see how many inches we've lost. This can also measure fat, muscle, and water. Right? Because let's face it, if we have just eaten a really big meal, uh, we can bloat up from maybe the food type. Maybe we're responding or reacting to the food type. And in that regard, we're not measuring true weight with a tape measure. We are measuring inflammation, we're measuring bloating, we're measuring liquids. So it can also measure fat, muscle, and water. And the other thing about tape measures that we're going to learn about today is that they can be too subjective. Then we have body fat percentage, which I'm going to discuss today. And my very, 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 very favorite is gold pants. Um, And the main thing that we have to understand about all metrics, regardless of what metrics you decide to utilize in your weight loss journey, is that we have to understand that we can't change what we don't measure. So if we don't measure it, we can't make a change to it, right? So it's like a cook. You know, a lot of times um, I've... I have written a couple of cookbooks. You may have seen them on my blog. Um, one is a freebie, sugar-free book, and another one is uh, a low-carb cookbook. Um, but uh, I had this whole program designed many years ago that I was writing for homeschooling moms to learn how to do uh, mega cooking, what we call mega cooking. I did mega cooking where you put you make meals ahead and you put them in your freezer and so forth. But I could never finish that book, even though I tested it every month, and I had, oh my word, I had all these sheets and everything, because I was not an accurate measurer. That is, I would just, if I had some spaghetti sauce left over, but I didn't have any spaghetti noodles, but I did have some sauce, and I also had some meat, and I also had some cheese, I would just make that extra into something else, and it was no big deal to me. But when you write a cookbook, you have to be extremely accurate. And I found that out through my low-carb cookbooks, but they were way smaller compared to what this other program was going to be that I was going to write. Basically, I could not write this mega-cooking cookbook program because I was a bad measurer. And we often do the same thing with weight loss, with inch loss, with size loss, and that is that we don't meet our goals entirely because we are bad Measurers, we cannot measure, We cannot succeed. We cannot change anything that we are not measuring. And a lot of times we don't want to measure. I know that was me. I was in a plateau in the spring, a really bad plateau. That now I really, really because I was not wanting to measure. I didn't want to measure. I would stay off the scales. I wouldn't try on my gold pants. I didn't measure. You know, and all the while I'm telling myself I'm probably just gaining muscle because I work out. I'm probably just gaining muscle. And now that I look back and I understand everything more that I understand, we learn and grow all the time. So a few months later, I'm looking back and I'm going, you were not just gaining muscle. You were simply not wanting to measure because you didn't want to make a change. Just talking to myself here, that's what I was doing. So I'm going to go through these and I'm going to discuss the pros and cons of them, how to utilize them for your maximum success, and kind of bring it all together so that we can have change. We can have change in our lives as a result of making proper measurements using good metrics. So the first one is the most common, and that is weight loss, pounds, scales. All right, so in a weight loss, pound scale situation, Uh, we have to understand that we have to make a calorie deficit in order to lose fat. So we cannot lose fat weight without making a calorie deficit. We can lose all kinds of other weight in all kinds of other ways. Like I mentioned at the beginning of this video, we can have our appendix taken out right? And we can lose weight. I can remember this old uh, story tape set that my kids used to listen to and they had this, they were on this diet program and they were you know, talking about shaving their eyebrows and spitting and, you know, all, the, and then they wanted to know if they could have their uh, appendix taken out so that they could lose more weight, right? There are a number of ways that we can lose pounds, but to lose fat, we have to make a calorie deficit. All right. Now, The other problem with simply using a weight loss scale pounds methodology, um, or kilograms, depending where you're from, um, is that we can lose or gain weight based on losing muscle. Right? Remember what I said at the beginning, getting on a scale measures every single thing that is weighed, that is on that scale. So we can lose weight or we can gain weight based on losing muscle or gaining muscle. Another thing is that we can lose weight or gain weight based on losing water or gaining water. Uh, an interesting tidbit about weighing when you are eating more calories. So you might, for example, um, suppose you're carb cycling and you have a high calorie day yesterday. Maybe you did not eat enough calories to gain weight right? 3,500 calories is a pound. I know that's just a generality, but we need somewhere to start. So you may not have gained, eaten enough calories to gain weight, but you weigh more today than you did yesterday, even though you know you had a calorie deficit. So how could this be? Again, it is because the scale is weighing everything that's put on it. And one gram of carbohydrate, if it was your high carb day, Suppose you didn't eat very much fat, but you ate a lot of carbs. Had a calorie deficit, but you and you shouldn't have gained weight. But one gram of carb can hold three to four grams of water. So the moral of this story is: don't weigh on the day after a high carb day, right? Even if you made a deficit, even if you truly lost fat weight, your carbohydrates can cause you to hang onto water at a, at a rate of. Every carbohydrate gram can hold on to three to four grams of water and can result in a higher weight, right? You can weigh one to two pounds more than yesterday, even though you lost fat. And so you can see how, um, you know, misleading a scale can be, right? But that doesn't mean we throw it out entirely because we need metrics. We need to be able to measure to make changes, So, um, with that, we can also see the opposite and you'll hear people who say, well, you didn't really lose weight. You didn't really lose five pounds. Most of that was water. Well, I mean, what kind of person goes around telling other people that, right? We don't say those kind of things in my group because we encourage each other, but we are also realistic. And the realistic aspect of this is the truth that you can't lose five pounds in three days, no matter what, (laughs) because five pounds of fat. It's 3,500 calories. 3,500 calories times five is 15,000 plus five times 500 times five is 2,500. That'd be 13,000, 15,500 calories. You can't eat 15,500 calories less or fewer in a couple of days to lose five pounds. So you're not really going to lose five pounds. But that's when people go around saying, well, that's not real. That's water weight. Some of it is water weight. And just like we said, a lot of carbs. Hold on to water. That's not a reason to not eat carbs. Carbs are healthy. Okay. A lot of carbs hold on to water. Also, when we reduce our carbs, we release water because we don't have carbs holding on to water. So, the Debbie Downer who said that was just water weight kind of is true. (laughs) Not entirely, because if you made a calorie deficit, you are going to have weight loss, but you didn't lose five pounds. All right, so the same thing is true. You can lose water weight by not eating very many carbohydrates, by not eating very many inflammatory foods. you can have a car a, a water gain by eating a lot of carbohydrates while you're still in both scenarios perhaps losing fat, right And that's another reason why we're going to talk in just a minute why you cannot rely on a one measurement, you know once a week weighing and saying that's the gospel, or weighing periodically or just using a high weight or just using a low weight, that'll all play with your mind. So we can lose or gain weight based on losing or gaining muscle. We can lose or gain weight. I'm all talking about pounds here, just getting on the scale and pushing it down. You can lose or gain weight based on losing water. You can lose or gain weight based on what is in the intestine, right? You can have food. Have you ever heard the stories about how they say Elvis didn't die of a heart attack, instead he died of his intestines being so full of 30 pounds of of food? You know, those are just, you know, fables spreading around. But the premise of that is true, that we can have an intestine full of food. And food is heavy, right? And if we only gained what we ate in Like we ate five pounds of food, so we gained five pounds. We ate eight ounces of food, so we didn't gain any weight or whatever. That's not how it works, all right? We have calories to actually cause us to gain and and lose weight. So what is in the intestine? So you can have a big meal. You know, you'll hear people all the time saying, I'm not going to weigh unless I had a big bowel movement. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever said that? Okay, anyway, (laughs) and so we hear people all the time who are saying that they are not weighing because they haven't gone to the bathroom the last day or two. I am not getting on that scale, you know. And so what's in the intestine? What's in the bladder? Again, that's weighing whatever's pushing on the scales. So also the problem with weight slash pounds slash scales or kilograms is that if you lose muscle but not fat, you can look like a skinny That person. So this, these, this often happens, and this will be like if you look up some of those, like that Minnesota starvation study, where they reduced the men's caloric intake so low, and they lost so much weight, and they look like terrible, right? Because they lost all the muscle because they were on such a reduced calorie diet. And you hear this all the time. Sometimes out of jealousy, but sometimes out of authenticity, we hear people say, "You know, have you seen so and so? She lost so much weight, but she looks terrible." All right, sometimes that is jealousy. And, you know, again, what kind of people go around discouraging everybody else, right? (laughs) That's not all we're about. But you'll hear people say that. And there might be an element of truth to that because if we just reduce calories so much, and so just so we lose pounds and that's all we care about, then we can look like a quote unquote skinny fat person, right? We also hear. You know, maybe you didn't really gain weight. Maybe you gained muscle because remember, muscle weighs more than fat. Okay. All right. I'm going to put on my teacher cap here. Even though I'm not mathematical mama, I'm language lady. I'm going to tell you that a pound of marbles weighs the same as a pound of cotton balls. My husband has this scale thingy that he uses with his elementary kids to teach equivalency and stuff. He is a private teacher. Um, he teaches out of our home. And he has this little scale. He does it with the grandkids all the time, too. And they put things on one side and they put something on the other, da 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 da. So they put something on this side that's super, 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 super heavy. Uh, like something that's, you know, this big, really, really tiny, but it's like metal. All right, maybe it's like nails like made out of you know metal. And so it might be really small, but it weighs the scale down. And then on this side, they put cotton balls, for example. And they keep putting cotton balls and putting cotton balls, couldn't put cotton balls. And this over here, put the scale down with even though it was just like a fat marble, let's just go with the marble thing. It was a fat marble analogy. They put cotton on this side, cotton, 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 and the whole thing is blowing up with cotton until it's equivalent. The marble is the muscle, and the cotton is the fat. So guess what? They weigh the same amount, but they look drastically different. A marble looks like this, and the cotton is like falling off of the platform. All right. Muscle weighs the same as fat, but muscle takes up this little bit of space. And fat is like this cotton, and you have to have so much of it to get a pound. Muscle's dense in another terminology, and another way to look at it, and fat is not, fat is fluffy, right? That's why we say I'm feeling fluffy today, because it is um, fluffy. So we can look drastically different, and that's one reason why a scale alone is not necessarily the best metric to use. Now, you can throw out the scale if you want to, but only if you have another metric that's moving you in the right direction. You can throw out everything. You cannot ever do another measurement, but most people do not do well making changes without measurements of some sort. We, we, we improve what we measure. And, um, so you could throw out the scale, but then go to a different metric that works better for you. One of the other ones I'm going to discuss here in a little bit. Um, and some people do. There are people in the big groups that the actually the author of Delay Don't Deny she threw out her scale entirely, and went down two more sizes, and stayed the same weight. There you go. That whole muscle she got rid of fat, she replaced it with muscle. Um, the whole recompositioning that happens as a result of intermittent fasting. It's actually very very cool because you can weigh more but look better. Which the more you weigh, the more food. The more calories your body needs. So that's kind of an advantage if you want to eat more in that regard. All right. So, how can you use the scale? If you're not going to throw it out, how can you use the scale for more accurate measurements? All right. Again, don't rely on the scale alone for your metric. Don't count on one weekly weigh in. I learned this one of my, I learned this the time that I lost 100 pounds 25 years ago, the first time I lost 100 pounds. um, And that is, that you cannot rely on one isolated scale measurement. So weigh multiple times and average that. All right. So you're going to have a high weight, maybe after you had a lot of carbs and it held onto water. You're going to have a low weight, maybe after you just potted or had your appendix out. And, and uh, then you're going to have your weights in between. Average that for the week. And that is how much you weighed that week. And then that would be a more accurate measurement. Um, When you, a lot of people, you hear them say, I'm not weighing today, like I just mentioned, because I didn't have a bowel movement. I'm not measuring today because I am so bloated. I'm not measuring today because I feel fat, you know. And you know, or the counterpart to that is, I am so majoring today. I feel skinny today, (laughs) right? And so then we hop on the scales all excited. And so uh, we need an average. Using an average lets you see true fat or muscle loss, throwing out the highs, throwing out the lows, throwing out anything that happens with water, stools, menstruation, eyebrow removal, whatever it might be. (laughs) All right, Um, then you can keep track of this on a graph or just, you know, on a piece of paper where you have last week's average, this week's average. That's how much you weighed last week for the week. All right, Um, having a weekly weigh-in or even less frequently than that or any other type of weigh-in where you're not averaging is not good emotionally or mentally, right? Leading up to it, those of us who have been in diet groups before, I mentioned on here before that I was the queen the tops queen for my region when i lost 100 pounds before 25 years ago so yeah i was the queen i had the tiara and everything all right and we weighed in every week on thursday night which was very timely because the weekend was coming so we don't ever want in those instances a monday weigh-in heaven forbid would we have a monday weigh-in that's something i really love about intermittent fasting. I can weigh on a Monday just like I can weigh on a Thursday or Friday because I'm fasting all the time, so I'm not like cheating, going off, going on all the time, and so on. So anyway, but leading up to it, we have this emotional and mental process that's happening within us. So leading up to that Thursday night of my tops weigh in, take off pounds sensibly, T O P S. Good acronym. I love acronyms, abbreviations. Um, so we're leading up to that. So what are we doing? We are pottying as much as we can. <laughs> we are trying to flush out toxins with a lot of water. We're being really good so that we can have a good way in And then after we have a way in any number of things can happen to us, right? We can have a good way in and that can cause us to say, I can do whatever I want on the weekend. We can have a bad way in, and that can cause us to say, I'm going to do whatever I want because it doesn't make any difference. We can have a um, uh, a bad way in and set us up emotionally, right? Food food is, you know, my body's revolting. I just can't do this. It's not fair. It doesn't matter what I do and so forth. So having a weekly way in is really not good emotionally or mentally leading up or afterwards for us. All right, when we weigh, we want to use a reliable, consistent scale. And I've never understood people who just weigh randomly, wherever they are. And then, of course, we have that whole emotional process that I just discussed a second ago going on all the time. But then what else do we have? Inconsistency, completely inconsistent. We only change what we measure we only change what we accurately and consistently measure. So that is not going to work, right? Weighing on different scales with different clothing, different times of day, you know, I weighed at my parents and I weighed less, I weighed less. You don't weigh less than you weighed the day before unless you weighed on those same scales, right? So we need to use reliable, consistent scales. So don't rely on the scale alone, use an average, don't have a weekly weigh-in, and use a reliable scale, not one that weighs you differently every time you step off and on, and one that's consistent so you always weigh at the same place. So my husband and I always weigh at the Y, we always weigh in the morning, we always weigh before we get in the pool, And, and it just has really, really worked. All right, the next metric is a tape measure. And there are some issues with tape measures, just like there are issues with any single metric. And the first one is that it can be subjective, right? We tighten it too tight, we loosen it too loose, and we also look at it and feel a certain way, and then that can determine how tightly we pull it on the next measurement or how loosely we release for the next measurement. So it can be subjective right? It's not as objective. It's got subjectivity. We are putting ourselves into that. Um, We definitely need graphs or columns or something showing our progress when it comes to inch loss. And this is especially true because it can take a long time to lose like inches in the arms. For example, that's such a small measurement. It can take a long time to show an inch loss in an arm. Also, um, the, another reason we need the graph is because, uh, and the chart is because muscle can also be affected. So um, we can show loss anywhere when we measure. So in that regard, it's good. The scales just showing what's pushing down. The, the tape measure is showing inches all over our body. So that is good because it's more apt to be true fat loss, though it could be muscle loss or muscle gain. And it could be even bloating too, right? Inflammation can make us puffy everywhere. Have you ever noticed that? And some people are more prone to inflammation, like in their trunk, and others are more prone to inflammation in their middle and so forth. So, um, you know, you need to measure as many places as you need to measure for your own peace of mind. So one thing that I want to caution about with measuring is that you don't double dip. Like we all see people who say, I lost 17 inches last month. And we come to find out that they're measuring a wrist, a forearm, a lower upper arm, an upper upper arm. So they're making, maybe making four measurements on the left arm and then four measurements on the right arm. All right. So there are a number of problems with that. First of all, that's way, way too laborious for the average person to keep up. And our metrics, if we're going to use them, and if we're going to be consistent with measuring, they need to be something that we can repeatedly do. And we're, I'm personally never measuring four places on my arms. I mean, you know, I'm lucky if I measure every other month because it's just another thing to add to my to-do list. So we have to be careful about double dipping. You know, we're four measurements here and four measurements here, that's eight measurements. All right, that can give us a false sense of loss make us think that we're losing more than we really are okay it can work both ways right we can have a false sense of not losing or gaining we can also have a false sense of losing um thinking that we're losing more so measure enough places that show loss that you need but not so much that it's too laborious or it gives you false hope of some kind all right wait management, size management, inch management, health, it's all so emotional. We have so many emotions, it's tied with it. And so, objective measurements are going to help get our emotions out of the way a little bit. Or multiple subjective measurements can also do a similar thing. All right, inches can show what scales cannot show. So there are really benefits for tape measure kind of inches. Um, can show both kinds of fat loss. Our subcutaneous fat, which is what we see, our lumpy cellulite just below the surface of our skin, and visceral fat, which is the fat that's inter- inside around the organs. And this weighs a lot more and is harder to lose. You know, sometimes we can't measure that as well with a scale um, and, then, and, and and even with a tape measure. So we maybe need to go to another another form too. Um, body, the body can store visceral fat in, t- internally, Whenever our hormones are out of whack, uh, when our body is holding on to fat, uh, when there are toxins stored, because toxins are often stored in our fat, so our toxins can be stored in that interior visceral fat, and um, so uh, that can be holding on to that fat and not releasing it, even if we are losing weight well. Um, The tape measure usually shows more or less the subcutaneous fat. So sub means under, so it's under the skin. That's how you can remember the subcutaneous versus visceral. Visceral is kind of, um, when I think of visceral, I think of like something that's like esoteric or something, you know. And so it's not really as as seeable. We might lose inches, which might show us fat, but not weight if we're preserving muscle. Now, this is an important note to make because we have a tendency to, because of the emotional aspects of weight and inch and um, fat loss and health, we can hold on to something that's not true. And I know I was doing this in the spring. I didn't want to change my eating anymore. I I didn't really understand the effect that hit Training and weight training and strength training could have on my weight loss and on my size loss. And so there were uh, three months in there that I was deluding myself, right? I was, you know, having my five hour window and eating whatever I wanted. And I wasn't really saying, you know what, you only have 30 pounds to go. You have to work a little harder at that now that you're closer to your goal. And I didn't want to do that. So I was emotionally and mentally. You know, tr- tricking myself. And one of the ways that we can do this is by blaming uh, lack of weight loss and lack of inch loss, even to a certain extent, on muscle. And we have to be careful when we do that because mm, here's muscle, here's fat. There's, that's a proven truth. A proven truth is that if we work out through HIIT training and strength training, we are going to gain this, and lose this. That's a truth. But if we are not working out and not upping our protein and not doing things to make this muscle grow and to make this fat go down, then we have to be careful with saying it's probably muscle. It's probably muscle. Again, we change what we measure and we can delude ourselves with unreliable or two subjective measurements. And we can delude ourselves with a little bit of knowledge that we apply to our situation incorrectly. So we wanna be careful with that. So something should be reducing. And this is what the point I had to come to like in May finally, when I was like, okay, I my gold pants are still hanging here. My measurements aren't changing and my weight's not changing. Something should be reducing. right? Something, it doesn't have to be the scale. It doesn't have to be the tape measure. It doesn't have to be the gold pants. It doesn't, it should probably be the body fat percentage. I'm going to talk about that in just a second, but something should be changing. And if nothing is changing, then we are not moving ahead. And that is the whole basis for metrics. That is the whole basis for measuring, is that they are going to cause us to move ahead. And we're not going to move ahead if nothing is changing. So while we can choose whatever metric we want, we can combine metrics, something should be changing overall, over time, doesn't have to happen all at once, or else we need to change our metric or change our approach. Something should be changing, so we need to be careful about diluting ourselves with the whole i 'm just building muscle all right, and that 's why i'm not losing weight all right unless you're using a couple metrics and that's proven true, then that's when you say that, right We just need to be honest with ourselves, be honest with our metrics, bring in reliable metrics, bring in consistent metrics, bring in subjective and objective, bring in multiple metrics and be honest. And that is going to help us reach our goals way better than an isolated metric or a delusional or non-reliable or inconsistent metric. All right, I'm going to move over to body fat percentage. And um, I've been interested in having this done. There is a calculator that I have in your notes here that will help you. Um, And I have heard uh, weight training experts say that the calculator like this is within five percent or four percent or three percent it's usually somewhere between three and five percent as accurate as have using like a caliper i don't know if you say that caliper or caliper and i meant to look that up because i do not like to put the emphasis on the wrong syllable i forgot to look that up before i got on here so you can correct me if i'm saying it wrong caliper um but the average body fat percentages For women are 25 to 31 percent. This is average. So if you're overweight, we have a higher percentage of body fat. If you're underweight, you know, or whatever. Men 18 to 24 percent. Fit body fat percentages. So these, this is like what we want to attain. Uh, Fit body fat percentages for women is between uh, a fit body fat percentage for a fit woman is between 18 and 23 percent. And for a man is 10 to 15%. So that kind of gives us, okay, we, we're, whether we're average or whether we're fit, whether we're heading from average to fit or whether we're not even average, but above that. And we all have to start somewhere. So it's not like, oh, I don't want to measure my body fat. It's so bad. It's so bad. But that's how you change. That's how we all change. Right, is figuring out what that is and then getting better. So I, I don't want us to be discouraged, like I don't want to do that because my percentage is so bad, like I don't want to get on the scale because I weigh so much, whatever. We can only change what we measure. Okay, so body fat percentage is good because it can show the difference between muscle versus fat. And it can show us when we're really losing fat. If if we have our scales and we have our body fat percentage measurement, and we're logging both of these. And we continue to lose pounds, but we don't lose body fat. That can be an indicator that we're wasting our muscle away, that we're losing our muscle, but we're not losing fat. So you can see how these can work in tandem to really give us a good picture of what's happening within our bodies. And, uh, you know, we can, we can, with gold pants, and I'm getting ready to talk about those, we can fasten a pair of gold pants whether we've lost fat or whether we've lost muscle right? And so the body fat percentage is going to be the way to tell us my fat is going down, not just my weight, not just my inches, my fat is reducing. And that should be our primary and ultimate, primary and ultimate, beginning and end. That should be our primary and our ultimate weight goal, not just to lose pounds, but to lose body fat Body fat is going to cause us to weigh less. It's going to cause us to look better. It's going to cause us to be healthier. It's going to cause everything to get better. Our sleep is going to get better. Our diseases will go down. Our asthma, our breathing, our sleep apnea, our uh, inability to exercise, our um, uh, diabetes, everything gets better when we lose body fat. So let's keep going here. It can be more accurate. All this person, this is why I always tell my students in class, because I write the books that I teach and I test them. So I always tell my kids, this person is as smart as I am because this person said the same things I did. These are my notes. So anyway, we can be more accurate than scales because we can have a lot of muscle and weigh a lot. That's another good thing about body fat percentage is that um, the example here is that a bodybuilder male, might be 8% body fat, yet weigh 250 pounds, and on a chart, simply by scales alone, simply by pushing on that scale with his body weight, his fat, his stool, his water, his liquid, his organs, his um, inflammation, his muscle, his pounds, everything together um, can be overweight at 250 pounds on a chart but yet he's got 8% body fat and he looks fantastic, right? And so he is way healthier than somebody who has, you know, 25% body fat, a male who has 25% body fat and weighs that same amount and is that same height. So it can really help. Again, I talked about the muscle being denser than fat. So we have this fat marble here. We have this fluffy cotton over here. Muscle is 18% denser than fat. So you can see that just that just if you have a pound of muscle versus a pound of fat, you're going to look 18% better immediately without any scale change. Okay, then muscle burns more than fat. That's another reason why we want more muscle and we want less fat. We're going to burn more. We talk about this when we talk about the afterburn effect. So when we say, you know, Well, I'm burning all day long after I exercise. When we have muscle, we're going to burn all the time more calories than we are without muscle. Um, There are ways to measure this body fat percentage, the caliper, a body fat scale. uh, You can look this up on YouTube. There are a lot of interesting videos. Evidently, these body fat scales have some kind of mechanism in there that they really do it. There, I've, I watched some scientists unpack one of these scales and say I don't know how they're doing it But it really has the mechanism in place to measure your body fat. So you can order that on Amazon probably um, There are other ways like water they put you in water and do that And then I put an online calculator here the online calculator like I said can be three to five percent off um, But it could be right on too. I mean that's just an average um, but with this online calculator you put in your weight You put in various measurements, your wrist, your hips, your abs, your waist, um, and it gives you a body fat percentage. And then you can continue to do that uh, as you lose weight. You can continue to go to this online calculator and you can see, okay, I lost 10 pounds and I lost 3% fat. I lost 4% fat. I'm doing great. I'm not only losing pounds. Good measurement, huh? Metrics. We succeed. We change what we measure. Okay, then goal pants. This is my personal favorite um, because I've had so much fun in my last 10 months of intermittent fasting with my goal pants. I find it so hard to believe that now at the end of 10 months of intermittent fasting, the first goal pants, the first couple of months of goal pants that I put on my bathroom door are gone from my closet entirely because they're too big. So goal pants are super, super motivating. First of all, gold pants can't usually lie. Now, obviously, you can lie on your bed, fasten a pair of gold pants, sit up and wear them, even though you couldn't wear them a month ago, if you want to be uncomfortable, right? But most of us have this, you know, truth serum factor going on with our gold pants that we can't wear something that tight. We can't breathe. We're uncomfortable. We always have to unfasten them. So gold pants aren't very big liars, so that's good. We can continue to use smaller and smaller and smaller pants. Tomorrow is my day to clean out my closet and find a new gold pant because I went through the last two so quickly um, by losing body fat and building muscle through my strength training and my hit training coupled with intermittent fasting that I have, I got to find the smallest pair of pants on the property. I'm so excited for my next goal pants. And so we can continue to use smaller and smaller and smaller pants. It is a visual motivator. You know, put the picture of yourself at your heaviest on the refrigerator, put your goal picture. You know, you can even go online and get a picture of yourself at the weight that you want to weigh made up on this, at these sites as your motivator. Well, the gold pant is a continual visual motivator. It's right in front of us, and I, mine's hang, mine are always hanging on my bathroom door in front of my robe, so it's always there every single day I see it. It's a visual motivator, and I can try them on every two weeks, whatever whatever I think is a is a good amount of time that has passed based on how small they were the last time, that type of thing. Um, So when you get gold pants, uh, my encouragement for this is not to get something that's too small. You want your uh, gold pant to be something that you're going to be able to wear if you continue doing well in a month or so. So you don't want something that's this far from fastening. You want a gold pant that maybe if you're lying on the bed and you're sucking in and you don't breathe for a little bit, you can fasten it, but the minute you let out, it hurts. Or the minute you stand up, you can't breathe. All right, don't leave them on. That's not safe. All right, you want it to be something that you are going to be able to attain in a month or so. Don't put a gold pant, like if you wear a 12 right now, don't put an eight on. Don't put a six on, put a tight 12 on. Something that is a 12 but just doesn't fit you right now. You can't go by sizes anyway. You have to go by how they feel. All right, the, another nice thing about gold pants is that gold pants actually show what people see. So, what, what the fact that this fits you is what you look like. So, that's also very, very cool. Another good thing about gold pants is that they measure many places all at the same time, right? So, a gold gene, for example, will, will have you need a hip loss, you need a weight, uh, an abdomen loss, you need a waist loss, uh, you need a butt loss, sometimes you need thigh loss to wear them. So, it's measuring in many places all at the same time. So metrics are super, super, super important. They are going to take us to our goal. They are going to be the way that we can have success. They're gonna be the way that we're gonna make changes because there's no reason to tweak anything. There's no reason to do anything differently if we don't have any measurement telling us, this other thing isn't working so well for us, right? But with metrics, we have all of these capabilities to see progress or lack of progress. And to help us in the whole uh, weight loss, weight management, inch loss, size loss, fat loss process. So I hope this has been helpful to you. I know it helped me a lot when I was first uncovering some of this stuff in the spring when I wasn't losing very well anymore. And I wasn't being totally honest with my metrics. And now I'm just, I have all these metrics in place and I am moving ahead. And it's okay If the scales only show two pounds of loss per month, I've told you that before, my husband loses eight, I lose two, right? But that's okay. It's perfectly fine for me to have that that lack of uh, progress here because I have progress in other places. And that's the beauty of using multiple metrics and combining those all together. All right, so lastly, um, those of you who want to stay on and learn about a Plexus supplement, please do. Those of you who have learned everything you wanna learn for today and your brain is full, you can go ahead and head on out and um, join me next time. Don't forget to subscribe to YouTube, subscribe to DonnaReach.com, free charts, a blog posts, articles, videos, so forth. Also, keep a close eye out on YouTube as my fast shots get put up. You know, these broadcasts are 40 to 60 minutes long each week, but I have these 10 minute ones, learn something really fast and you can learn that through the fast shots and they're going to be, there are already some at YouTube and at DonnaReach.com. They'll be both places. So those of you who are still sticking around, I want to tell you about a great product that Plexus has called Plexus Boost. And um, it is a counterpart or a a similar product to one that I spoke about earlier called Accelerator. And the uh, basis of Boost The basis of all Plexus products, first of all, is that they are all plant-based. So um, Boost is, of course, um, a botanical plant-based, in this case, contains superfoods for appetite suppressant, for thermogenics uh, effect to boost your metabolism and help with weight loss. Um, The Boost is, like I said, a counterpart to Accelerator. So at the end, I'll tell you the differences between the two. Um, I go between Accelerator and Boost um, quite a bit, and it will depend on your goals as to which one you want. So first of all, Boost comes in capsules, and you can take one or two per day. You can take the two together at the same time. You can take one at one time and one at another time, and you can take it with, it's actually made to be paired with the pink drink, the Plexa Slim, that you've heard me talk about on here as well, which is our appetite suppressant uh, drink, kind of like a lemonade, pink lemonade type of deal. Um, So anyway, Boost is a metabolism booster. It's an appetite suppressant, and it is really helpful during fat loss i'm going to tell you a little bit about the ingredients again they're all plant-based botanicals superfoods they help with boost helps with hunger metabolism boosting thermogenics and energy so it's a really powerhouse product that um, i really really love to take so here we go one of the ingredients is caroluma fimbriata and this is my favorite ingredient in boost and it is because it is an edible cactus that is eaten by tribe. that was eaten by tribesmen in North Africa and India during long hunting expeditions to ward off hunger and to help them survive during times of famine. <laughs> Sometimes we feel like we're in a famine, right? We are not in a famine. We are simply using time-restricted eating, and we're going to be just fine in a few hours, okay? <laughs> um, but uh, that just is a perfect ingredient for fasters, uh, caroluma fimbriata. It has a thermic effect for fat burning. That is, it raises your core body temperature to help melt fat. And I just love it that people who didn't have time to stop and eat carry this edible cactus in their pouch, whatever they had on at the time. And rather than stopping during the hunt to eat, they would just eat some of this cactus. And then it would ward off hunger and they could keep right on going. That is why it's a very cool ingredient. Um, it also contains green tree extract green tea extract Um, and this is equivalent to one cup of coffee in terms of natural caffeine Um, I mentioned before that I don't drink hot drinks of any kind so I don't drink herbal teas or coffees or anything I either use accelerator or boost as my caffeine uh, supplement so to speak there are other ways to get caffeine I teach that at the blog you can drink caffeinated water You can take caffeine pills, not energy drinks, but you can take caffeine pills also. This is my choice of caffeine because it's natural caffeine that comes from green tea extract. All right. Natural caffeine, as we know from other uh, videos and blog posts that I've done, it helps boost metabolism. Caffeine does. And um, it helps ward off hunger. So a lot of times, if you have a lot of problems with hunger during the fast. You might just need caffeine. It might just be the thing that will help you get through the fast better. Uh, it is great, like I said, for those who do not want to drink coffee or tea during the fast. And green tea extract gives natural energy. Okay, the next ingredient it has is an ingredient called Herbamate. And it is a stimulant herb that assists with weight management. So it's another herb uh, that helps with weight management. Um It's called Herba Mate. You can Google that for more information. And then another one is hygienamine. And this is sourced from tangerine peel and lotus seed. And it also gives energy. So you can see how it's a thermogenic. It's an appetite suppressant. It is a a thermogenic boosting metabolism. And it is also um, giving energy. Uh, It contains, Boost contains bioavailable B vitamins. It's important to note that they are bioavailable, which means that you can access them. Uh, It contains bioavailable B vitamins, niacin, B6, B12 at very high percentages. So uh, this, of course, we know what B vitamins can do for us in terms of nerve, anxiety, depression, mood, mental issues. Um, I'm not saying that vitamins cure everything, but B vitamins at, at high doses, especially bioavailable ones, can really help with those things. And it also contains chromium, which is also another natural appetite suppressant all right clinical studies have shown that it shows a significant decrease in excessive hunger and um, so in that regard it can help during the fast it doesn't have any calories so you can take it during the fast. I personally cannot take Boost or Accelerator after two, and I usually try to take it before 12 because of my sensitivity to caffeine. Some people can have coffee all day and still sleep that night. I'm not one of those people. So just know that each capsule has the equivalent of one cup of coffee. So if you are sensitive to caffeine, you wanna be sure you take it in the morning. All right, now just a minute here about Accelerator versus Boost. They're very similar products except Accelerator has 5-HTP. And I talked about this in the video about Accelerator. You don't want to take Accelerator if you were taking an antidepressant because 5-HTP is a natural antidepressant. And so you'll be having, you'll be like double dipping on antidepressant product um, at that point, even though it's natural. uh, You still should not take it while you're on an antidepressant. And you shouldn't go off of an antidepressant without doctor supervision. So many people do take Slim and Accelerator, go off of mood products, go off of anxiety meds, go off of antidepressants, but we never recommend it without a doctor's supervision. Um, We don't know what our bodies need if we have been depressed and had anxiety. We need help with that. We shouldn't do that on our own. But Accelerator um, has 5-HTP, so that is an antidepressant. And I like to take Accelerator in the winter, for like mood problems with the darkness and so forth. I'm very, very uh, sensitive to that. And so, you know, I would be more inclined to use Boost during the summer and Accelerator during the winter. Uh, Accelerator also accelerates metabolism. Boost has that uh, caroluma fimbriata for hunger, and it also has a thermic effect. So many people like it for a pre-workout capsule. So in that regard, people who like to work out a lot are more inclined to take boost. People who want help with more um, depression and type of things, mood uh, issues, PMS, any type type of thing like that will often take accelerator. So again, under doctor supervision for these type of things, you don't just go off and on medications without uh, without some medical advice and help all right so hopefully this has given you a lot of good info to take and run with major 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 non subjective objective reliable consistent metrics to help you meet your goals and supplement as needed I'd love to talk to you more about supplementation and how it can make a difference in your fast and how you feel and in your weight loss and in your hunger if that's something that you want also know that many people take very few supplements and still fast. So I don't want you to ever feel like if you don't use certain supplements that you cannot be successful. But I also want to help you be successful. Thanks so much for joining me.